But so many times, you know, when we start working with people, we actually have to wind back. And part of the reason is because we need to first establish, well, where are you, right? Where are you, the human? Because all the strategies in the world don't matter if you don't know how you fit into them. And we often get called in at different points. Sometimes it's, they've actually implemented a whole bunch of new stuff and things have grown really quickly and they actually don't know how to handle it. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Today on the Marketing Your Practice podcast, I'm joined by Bettina Tornatora. Now, Bettina is a coach, she's a consultant, a facilitator, author. Now, along with her husband also, they run an organization called Lux Consulting Group. Now, having run her own business in health and the growth space for the last 26 years, Bettina has a passion for supporting others to grow and expand themselves also. Now, today we're going to be talking all about who do we need to become. Now, in particular, with all the strategy and all the marketing in the world, these things don't matter if we can't meet the version of ourselves that we need to, to execute. So firstly, Patina, welcome to the show. Hey, Angus. It's great to be here. Really excited. I, uh, I always get excited to talk with a fellow Aussie and then a fellow Aussie in the same state and city as well. So two Melbourneites talking here <laughs> on a relatively kind of sunny-ish day too. Really nice, really nice. It's, it's lovely. Now, for the audience perhaps that haven't got the same background in terms of knowing you like I do, can you perhaps bring up to speed a little bit to, you know, your journey up until now? Yeah, sure. Um, so graduate, I graduated 26 years ago. Um, and in actual fact, this is an important week in my, my development as a practitioner because I actually decided last week it'd be my last week hands-on in my practice. Wow. And the re- yeah, it's a big deal and it, it was a big decision. And, and that means that I can dedicate more time to doing what I'm doing now. So that's the coaching, consulting, facilitating, and I needed to kind of direct my focus. And we'll talk a little bit about that today um, because that's part of that process is understanding who you are. So I'm a mother of two amazing sons who are now big ass men, you know, towering over me. Um, and um, obviously, yes, my husband, Jim and I, we've run our practices together. We started coaching about seven years ago. Um, and then uh, two years ago, we um, really looked at our, our rebranding, refocus, and we created Lux, which, you know, for those of are wondering what Lux means, um, it's about light. Lux is the unit of luminescence. It's how you measure light. And we're all about, where's the light in you? What's the light in you? And how do we pull that out of you and get the best out of you? So we now, now I'm dedicating all of my time to doing that. So that's yeah. where I'm at. <laughs> it's exciting because I've been... Um, voyeuristic voyeuristic i've been watching there you go that's what i'm trying to get out via the socials um what you and jim have been doing with lux you know particularly over the last kind of 12 months from what started with you guys kind of showing off some photographs that you're having taken some branding and it's been really nice to watch and see the development of you know two giants Mm -hmm. um you know and obviously Jim, literally a giant, because he is enormous <laughs> there too, as well, kind of really expanding in. And you both do such a stunning job of sharing so openly mm-hmm. um, the highs and the lows as as well too. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of learn more about this too. So I introduced the audience to, we talked about this concept of who do we need to be? And, and it's because it's fascinated me. 
because there's no shortness of strategies to market our practice, to share our word, to have influence. In fact, all you've got to do is just jump online. I mean, there's podcasts like this. If you go back, this will be an episode somewhere in the 90s there as well. And there's another 50 before we even published that Tony and I did as, as well. Free content, yes. which if you implemented it, you'd have more new patients come into your practice than you knew what to deal with. Yeah. We don't. So why is that? I, I think there's a few elements to that. And, you know, absolutely right. The, the, the amount of data that's out there on how do you go about this process is infinite. And particularly now, it's, it's so much of it is free. You don't have to hire anyone to get the data on how to market it. But so many times, you know, when we start working with people, we actually have to wind back. And part of the reason is because we need to first establish, well, where are you? right? Where are you the human? Because all the strategies in the world don't matter if you don't know how you fit into them. And we often get called in at different points. Sometimes it's they've actually implemented a whole bunch of new stuff and things have grown really quickly and they actually don't know how to handle it. They actually haven't accommodated for that. They haven't expanded and leveled up themselves to be able to accommodate for the extra business. So what happens? They end up sabotaging it in some way. Whether it's conscious or unconsciously, they will pull it back to a level which where they're comfortable at. So in terms of where do you start? Really for us, it's actually starting back at, well, what are you about? What's your, what are your values? What's important to you? You know, a lot of people, when we talk about um, growing any business, we talk about building our avatar or our ideal client, right? Mm. The person that we want to work with. And, you know, some people going in infinite detail. And when we talk to people about that, we say, who are they? Where do they hang out? What do they do? Who do they hang with? Who are the people in their lives? What do they like to eat? Where do they like to socialise? All these things are really important. But here's the thing that really gets me. A lot of the time, people who are doing that process don't understand that about themselves. They've not actually sat down and defined, well, what does my life look like and what do I want it to look like? And where perhaps are there some deficiencies in that? You know, practitioners largely get into, you know, get this kind of field, any kind of field where there's a giving or a service phase mm. because they want to help other people. They don't usually do it for their own purposes. It's usually that desire to, you know, I want to help people. I want to support people to live a better existence, no matter what your modality. Mm. The thing is that at somewhere along the line, often people forget that there's a life of their own that they've got to take care of and it's got to be taken care of first. You know, the basic rule of first aid, if it's not safe, don't go there. Mm. And often when we actually ask people to do an overview of their own world, there's gaping deficiencies in that. There's elements of their world which they've completely negated. Even health practitioners have negated their own health and well-being. So, therefore, that's the base. You know, that's kind of the foundation that they're basing everything on because it dictates their energy levels, it dictates their, their willingness. And I found with people, if you don't have your house taken care of, if you haven't got the house in the internal house taken care of, eventually the external world starts to suffer. So for me, it's, it's really coming, it's powering it all back so that when you do start to grow and develop and you start to look at, okay, who do I want to influence in this world, you know, because that's really what we're doing. We, when we're going out into practice, whatever that might look like, you're actually influencing other people. Mm. So you've got to start with the most important person for me and that's, that's yourself. When, and, oh, sorry, keep going. No, no, you go. 
when, when you're looking at that, you know, where are you? Who am I? Are there silos that you want to look through that you kind of break it down? Is, is it relationship, health, business? What, what, what kind of, how do you categorize that? We actually work with uh, a few different ways that you can go. There's, there's obviously a, um, the, the basic stuff that people think of, like, say, relationships. That might be all relationships. It could be team. It could be health and well-being. We've actually worked with a system which has 26 areas of life. And we ask people to look at all 26 of those and give themselves an assessment. And it's a rating out of 10. And why that's really important is because sometimes there's, there's subtle distinctions in that. So, for example, we separate out primary relationship with relationship with siblings and with perhaps um, uh, teams. Um, we separate a career and work because sometimes those things are different. So we'll actually go, break it all the way down. Um, it could, we also have things like um, where's your level of self-worth? Um, where's your level of worthiness? Um, so what that does is it gives you that snapshot in time. And, and of course, when we're working with people one-on-one, -on -one, it also gives us a nice measurable way of saying, okay, I've done it today and I'll do it again in three months' time. I've implemented some changes. Let's see what's changed. Um, we then also look at that from the, from the perspective of what would an ideal look like? Because some circumstances are a little, you know, they may be out of our control. Um, for example, you might be in a circumstance with family members or loved ones, which maybe a, ten's not, a 10 out of 10 isn't even possible right now, but what would you aspire to? And again, it's that incremental change. And, you know, we know if you make a 1% change, the flow on effect of that in terms of your sense of well-being and feeling more in harmony with your own life, is just phenomenal. Um, it's amazing how many times when people do that assessment and they do it, they actually, and this is what it requires. It actually requires you to stop, <laughs> breathe and assess. And that sounds really simplistic, but just that moment of, you know what, I've actually got to do a proper assessment here. Um, you know, I often say to people, if I say to you, hey, Angus, can you give me directions to your house? The very first thing you're going to ask me is where are you? Mm. And the thing is, a lot of the time when we start off on these, on a program or we decide we're going to implement a strategy, we haven't actually done the first step. We've, we're heading off in a direction. We've got the map. But where do we start? And that's a really key point in that. And because how do you know, if you're going to say, how do, who do I have to become? There's, a, there's also an obvious starting point in that. Who am I today? And yeah. then do I need to level that up? So yeah. does that answer the question? It's great. H having done numerous of those, are there common deficiencies? Because you work a lot with health practitioners. Yeah. Are there common deficiencies, the first part of that question? And the second part is this... <clears throat> Are there bigger rocks? Are there deficiencies that tend to have a bigger impact on overall life than some others? So, for instance, you go, look, it may not be that big a deal that you don't get along with your yep. cousins, but, you know, when it comes to self-worth, hey, man, we've got to start with that first. Yeah. Most people, not just practitioners, most people will have a lot of work in the area of self-worth, uh, worthiness, and uh, your sense of good enough. Now, a lot of people use those terms interchangeably. They're actually two very distinct things. A sense of good enough says, I'm not quite, I don't quite have what it takes to get what I want. So that's, so it's a lacking in either capacity, skills, energy, whatever it might be, but there's a lack of something there. Worthiness is different. Worthiness is where you 
you can achieve it, you have a sense that, yes, I can get what I want in my world, but I don't know if I'm worthy of hanging on to it. And those are two that they seem to be part of the human condition. We, we tend to have one or the other and sometimes both, but mostly we'll find that. The other thing we find, and it's sad to me, often health and well-being is, when I work with practitioners, is one of the key areas that hasn't been given enough love. Mm. Um, and we know that's going to have serious ramifications, you know, whether it's physical injury, whether it's burnout, um, you know, whether it's neurological breakdown of some form. Um, mm. We know that comes in so many different forms. Um, but that seems to be one that I see health practitioners, it saddens me that that's one I've got to remind them about. And I think it purely just comes out of so much giving, so much time spent, and it's forgetting that at the end of the day, we're a practitioner, but we're actually a human being first. So um, they're, the, they're the big ones. Um, I don't think there's one particular element, but what I will say is often when we look at those um, areas of life, what's important is what is making that individual feel the pain. So it, it may not be, you know, something that might be a one out of 10 might really, really irk someone and someone else can go, eh, whatever, mm-hmm. it's fine. Because then it comes down to their value system. So when we take that and then we understand their personal value system, then we can overlay the two and go, okay, so if, for example, health and well-being is a very high priority and, it, and you're giving yourself a really low score in that, then you're going to be in values conflict all the time because mm-hmm. you know inherently that you're not, you're not actually looking after yourself the way you need to. If family's high and you're rating your family low, that's going to be a problem. So the two marry together. Once we get that values organised, we know what's important and that's just purely what's important to you, what me, makes your life work and, and really operate well. We look at that and then we, we overlay the two. So, and then the direction will be what actually hits you hard because when you look at that and you, go, you look at it and assess it and you think, oh, wow, that's the area I need to do some work in that. And, and then, then it's about strategy. Okay, what can you do? What's the next most appropriate step, you know? And then we start looking at from there, it's really looking at, okay, what are the rituals um, that you need to put into your world that make that an easy process? Um, what are the habits that you've developed rather than we know now, you know, we know neurologically, trying to get rid of a habit isn't a great idea, but bolting a better one to an old one does work. So we start looking at, okay, let's get some strategies to get incremental change happening over the next, you know, whatever dictate time that we decide. So. Mm. I um, <clears throat> I'd love to have a chat about this concept of worthiness because it's something I've, it's over this last couple of weeks, I've been reading lots about. And I know for me, I always hoped that there would come a time when I could just nail this worthiness thing. But what I realise is it's a ladder. So I've got this concept that says, I'm really worthy of having a chiropractic practice that's successful, that does X, Y, and Z. And then I have a level of worthiness with what I do with Adio Media. But every time I set a new goal, I'm like, ah, <laughs> new levels of worthiness challenge. So I'm over the idea that, I, that I'll ever get over it. I, I think that's, and, and maybe I'm wrong there too. But how do you work with people to have them continue to expand their worthiness? What, what are the strategies? What are the concepts? What do they need to think about, work through? Yeah. And, and you're right. Um, 
I don't think there's an upper limit to it. So I think that's why it always feels like you've got to keep growing it. And the way you just describe that is exactly what we see, is that when you, you set yourself a target or a goal, your worthiness or your good enough has to come up to meet it. And the, the thing is, you can set your goals based on where your current level of worthiness is, but you'll actually probably feel a little bit unsatisfied. Because there's some part of you knows, well, it was kind of like ticking a box. I kind mm. of, I knew I was going to nail that. So when people set a goal that's a goal, a true goal, which is going to stretch them and expand them, then the rest of their self-esteem, including their worthiness, has to actually rise to mm. it. So there's a few different things you can do. Again, it comes down to your sense of values, but also two parts to it. One is understanding where your worthiness, so this is somewhere, it's probably doing a little bit of forensic work with someone who knows what they're doing and going back and saying, okay, when did you start having that the belief system that says perhaps you're not quite worthy? Mm. Um, and there'll be somewhere, there'll be a path break off at some point in your world where you, for whatever reason, the circumstances, something in your childhood, something even in your adulthood that made you decide that you were less worthy than you, than you ought to be. Because we were all born beautifully worthy. I mean, we're born perfect and we're born deserving of everything that we, we can possibly imagine. So when did we make that decision? If you can understand that, that's really important because it probably is linked to that inner dialogue that comes up when you when you go, oh, you know, I know I'm not, you know, there's a part of me going, am I really going to actually get this and be able to keep it? Can I hold it? So that's one part. Understand your history. Understand the patterning that you've done before. And then sometimes it's really a little bit of fake it till you make it. Because then it's about when you understand that background, that inner dialogue that's going on, you can then actually say, okay, I'm going to replace that dialogue. This is what my inner voice says when I'm not feeling worthy. So what, what can I replace that with? What other dialogue can I start introducing? And sometimes that means talking to yourself in the mirror. But what other dialogue can I introduce to get my neurology to bring in a new pattern? And the thing that's really interesting is we know you can develop a new pattern in your behaviour literally in seconds. It takes nothing to make a decision, I'm going to do this, right? We all know it. How many times do you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that? The difference is, though, is the repetition because we know that the old pathway is like the well-beaten bush track. You know, it's, it's been stamped on by hundreds of feet and it's easy and your neurology is a little bit lazy. It'll always go to the, the most efficient path. It'll go to that one. So when we create the new thing, when we decide we're going to be worthy, we're going to raise our level of worthiness, then we've got to say, okay, well, what do I need to do every single day for between 30 and 60 days to change that dialogue, to actually bring in that new level of worthiness for myself. The other element for me is gratitude's got to come into this at some point. <laughs> now, I think gratitude is probably the holy grail and I think we'll eventually map it neuro neurologically and mm. chemically in our body and we'll know exactly. But inherently what's coming out in all the research is the energy shift that happens with gratitude. And gratitude and worthiness go together because if you know you're worthy of something, you will be grateful for it. You'll be able to find a sense of true, full body gratitude because you know that you are worth it, whatever that thing is. If you have hesitation on your sense of worthiness, you will hold back on your gratitude of it.
it'll be verbal gratitude rather than full body experience gratitude. And that's something that, you know, often hear uh, with coaching clients when they nail at something and they get something, they achieve something, and then they, and they just have this rush over them of gratitude. And then they know, and then I know the worthiness and the goal have actually been met. They've hit the right peak, if you like. Mm. Is there is there a time when you're working through this kind of good enough worthiness scale into fake it till you make it? Mm. Is there a time when you actually have to say to somebody to, because this is a dialogue that goes inside of my head, like how would I know if I don't have the skill set? Yes. You know what, you're actually feeling like that, Angus, because you're being a bit of an imposter <laughs> or, or whatever it is there too. And that's the voice that goes on in the back of my head there too. I'm like, mm. Where does this all kind of fit in? What, what, where does that? It's tricky, isn't it? And, and I think we've, the, the short answer is we don't know. I think we're only really just starting to scratch the surface on what is that inner dialogue? Where does it actually come from? Mm. Um, is, it, is it from a reality that we've created, a story, a vision of ourselves that we've created? And I firmly believe that that's where we're going to, we're going to understand. We're going to understand that there's this creation of a story a picture or something that we've created for ourselves an identity some people like to call it and that dialogue matches a part of that and so somewhere along the line when our outside reality stops matching that or we decide we want something different a different story that's when we get these conflicts start to happen and then the inner and the outer are are kind of at loggerheads with each other Mm. And, and i think any time that you think you're an imposter, you're probably in, in a dialogue subconscious. Um, there's a story of who you, you think you are. Yeah. And that story is what's playing. It's like that's the dominant sound at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is, you know, my, my perspective of the world is if you find yourself in a circumstance with an opportunity in front of you to either grow or expand or receive, you know, maybe you've, you have worked for something and you've received that and you're wondering whether you're worthy of it and whether you are an imposter, then that's probably always dialogue. Because to me, if you are in that circumstance, I don't believe in a universe that's really random. I think that you are there because you ought to be there mm. <laughs> either for your own receiving or your own growing. So therefore you are not an imposter only in your own head. Mm. I, um, I'm, it's such wonderful timing with this too because the conversation that goes on inside of my head and, and it's by no means unique and many people I've coached at the same and it would be interesting for some of our listeners to think about this too is I get that sense when I'm telling myself I need to know it all that that's what you know so if I'm launching a new product if I'm making a new video a new blog post there comes this idea conversation inside me that I need to know it all and then I realize that so my my fix inside of that is that um, obviously I'm never going to know it all and it's not about knowing it all for me but are there people that are perhaps two steps behind me in the journey that I could help get there faster mm-hmm. and when I can clean up the conversation and I can have that I can go back into serving people as opposed to trying to squash myself down into a hole mm-hmm. and I think you know that's uh, and it's got one of the things I had a great situation coaching I, I, I spoke about this in a podcast recently where 
you know, I was chatting and Leslie's okay with me talking about this too. You know, we'd encouraged her to make a whole bunch of videos. Her, her niche that she loves dealing with is the weekend athlete. Mm. And she was talking on and we'd laid them out all about, you know, what should we do pre-training, post-training, you know, everything from, you know, where chiropractic fits inside of that. We got to into laying out this whole kind of 12 week program. She's like, oh, I'm really not sure who I am to be making this. And it was interesting because I knew with Leslie, before she was a chiropractor, she had a whole degree in sports science and training sports science as well. And I'm like, Leslie, if you're not qualified, like if you're not qualified to be having this conversation, one, you've got a five-year degree as a chiropractor, that before that you had a bachelor of a sports trainer. I'm like, you're the most overqualified person in the world. And we had a giggle about it. So it was that reminder that if we're having these dialogues, there's no amount of training that will make you get there. There's no course that'll get you there. Like there's no feedback from any community person. We have to go back inside there and, 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 and solve the problem inside the dialogue, yeah. not with something external. So that's yeah. my rant anyway. No, no, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is, and this is where the self-awareness comes in, is that you need to understand what you need to get to that level of self-certainty and self-confidence because, um, some people need a large amount of data. They need like 100% of what they can accumulate before they can push go. Other people need probably 20% of that and they're ready to go and they'll, they'll just go and they have that. But what's important is understand your own process as well and validate that. So knowing, calling it on yourself as you go along and saying, okay, I need more information or I need more data or I need more time. Great. How much more? What does it look like? What's that specific formula that you need to get you up? And I think of it like this. You know, when you think of, when you look at athletes, um, I've did this year at the ripe old age of 50, have taken up powerlifting. So yes, I've been watching. <laughs> super fun. Love it. But what's really blew my mind, after years and years of weight training, I had to par back all my, um, uh, all my techniques and relearn how to lift with, that in mind lifting is a very it's a very different way of lifting and of course i'm looking at lifting much heavier weight so i had to relearn how to do it and here's what really got me is that the way i needed to do that because you don't want to be consciously thinking do this do that do this lift right that's just exhausting and it doesn't help you so what you have to do is develop a pattern and you have to go okay there's this step then this step then this step and then you practice that so that you know that on the day you will just get into that position your body body will know exactly what to do and you'll have mapped the pattern out now to do that though you have to understand yourself and the way that you think and the way that you learn so for me I'm a very high auditory learner. So I need to hear it said, then I have auditory triggers, then I get up there and then I map that in my body. So then I, the, the sound first, then the movement. But I know that because I know how I learn. And oftentimes when we approach something, we, we haven't got a great enough self-awareness of what we need to feel safe and secure and feel comfortable in that way so that we can then launch from that place. We, I've, you know, that self-awareness, um, how does my brain work? How do I work best? You know, do I work best if I do this in the morning, if I think about this at night? Do I work best writing my notes out if I'm writing a program? If I'm, you know, do I need to do video? Do I need to do audio? What, what's the formula? Because we're all unique and we've all got that formula. But often we try and, if we try and box it up for them, it doesn't work. You've got to actually find that for, your, for themselves. 
And this is where um, John C. Maxwell, I'm sure you've heard of him, he, he does a lot of, um, he's written about leadership for years. And he, I remember the first time I listened to an audio of him, one of the things he said was his life changed when someone sat him down and asked him what his plan for self-development was. And from that moment on, he had it as a deliberate intention to self-develop. And that's something that I took on board. I had, I had already had that, fortunately been given that gift by someone very early in life. But I think that's really paramount here when you're talking about these things that start to trip us up when we push a little bit harder, when we're looking for something else. It's that what self-development have I done to build my sense of certainty, my sense of foundation, my self-awareness, self-understanding, so that when I go into an environment or a situation which is a little bit different or I'm trying to implement something new, I've got that as a resource, you know? All i got to do is reach into my backpack and pull it out because I know that that's what serves me. And I think that's something we don't get taught. It's not part of much, any training that I know of when you talk about technical skill. There's lots of focus on what you do for others. But that self-development process, and it doesn't have to be complicated. That could be as simple as a really powerful journaling technique each day or if it is mentoring, getting someone on your, on your team that, um, that actually understands that process and is prepared to work through with you. Um, not with a specific outcome because it's just like physical training. You, you're not, you don't do the training for, you know, you do that so that you build up so that one day when you go to test yourself, you have it in, you have it in the bag. You've already done the work. It's not what you do on the day. It's all the work that you do leading up. So when we see people who are implementing, are growing and pushing and expanding themselves and doing it with a sense of joy and enjoying it as much as you ever can when you're really growing, that, that's because they've done the foundation work. They know who they are, they know how to push themselves and they, got their, they understand within a certain degree what their formula is for their own growth. Mm. And I would imagine that, you know, as my brain is ticking through that, that self-development plan is really we kind of go back and we said one of the things that lots of practitioners often miss out is that self-care too. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I think we forget that self-care whilst it's all about how we rest, how we eat, how we move, it's also, you know, to some extent, the how we think and how we, we problem solve yeah. um, as, as, as well. You have taken the time and worked out, <clears throat> you know, when you talked about that your auditory this is the process that will help you move through stuff. Mm -hmm. How might somebody start to get that level of self-awareness so they can find out how they might best learn um, and to set up a self-development plan that might work for them? Yeah. In terms of learning, um, I think the simplest way is think back to times where you took in information without trying. So for example, um, do you, when you watch a movie, do you remember the soundtrack or is it the dialogue? Or is it the pictures, right? What is it you remember when you've taken some information in? There'll be clues there. Um, it, certainly, you, could, uh, you can always go to an NLP practitioner. They'll suss it out very quickly and be able to, to find out what your learning patterns are. But you'll see it. There'll be evidence of it in the way that you choose to learn. You know, do you prefer audio-only um, podcasts? Um, because that's the way that you take in the information. If, if it irritates the heck out of you to listen to an audio book, but you love to read, you're probably a visual learner. Mm. Um, if you need to 
be shown something in a tactile way, it's probably, there's probably some body element to it, which means then, you know, particularly with learners who need tactile experiences, they just need to be doing something while they're actually got the audio or the visual going in. It just means they've got to anchor it together. So there'll be clues in your life as Mm. to how you learn. With a self-development program, I think one of the first things is actually start taking some of that in a dialogue out and put it out in front of you because there are clues in that as to where to go next. So um, when we think about the, you know, think about is actually the incorrect way to see it. What are we feeling about is probably a better way to say it because our self-development is driven from that older part of ourselves. It's the older part of the brain. You know, the prefrontal cortex is awesome and it does amazing things. However, the older emotional seats is probably where the greatest learning is going to be, but that's where the clues are. So sometimes even just as simple as putting your thoughts out on paper or audio, whatever works for you. You know, some people find recording, but I find the simple act of journaling every day will bring forth what you need to learn the most. And then you can look back at it and go, okay, there's a theme here. There's a theme that I'm struggling with particular people in my life. Okay, now I need to look at my communication, my way of being with others. What is that? And where can I learn more about that? And then the beautiful thing about today is then you can go out into this amazing place called the web and get whatever you want. (laughs) Um, And you won't, won't cost you anything but a little bit of time and effort. So then that way you start getting, it's very self directed. So And, you know, if you don't know where you need to grow and you have a partner or a close team member or a family member, ask them where they think you might need to be doing Mm. growth (laughs) because they'll have a little shopping list (laughs) of areas that you probably need a little work in. Um, and if you're, if you're game and you're open to be vulnerable, then that's a good place. If you really can't think where you need to be growing, then someone around you nice and close will probably tell you straight up. <laughs> yeah, particularly if it's somebody that, uh, that you trust and respect there too. Yeah. I, know, I know for me in terms of self-development, perhaps my greatest breakthrough in the last, you know, happened kind of 10 years ago when I realised that behind every feeling I had was a discussion, a thought, and that if I could, you know, if I was, got out of bed in the morning and... I was just feeling a bit funky that if I were to take a moment back and work out why, and sometimes the feeling funky was just as simple as I got out of bed. um, I realized that I only had four hours of sleep, not eight hours. And so there my, for my conversation was you didn't get enough sleep last night. You're going to be tired today. Um, Or, you know, other times if I just had that level of, you know, whatever it was, there was a conversation in behind that was some level of worthiness or good enough. And that when I could, and beforehand, I would wallow in around that and try and motivate myself out of it. But if I didn't identify the conversation that happened in behind it, I was very rarely of ever successful with it there too. And Mm. Myron Katie's work was fabulous. She has a wonderful conversation of basically, is it true? And then how would life be if you could take that thought and remove it? What would be possible? Mm. Um, you know, and, and she does a lot more eloquent job of it than that. It might be a great resource for people there too. So, um, what are your thoughts in around that? Is that is is there a conversation that leads to feelings, or do feelings lead to a conversation? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way I think of it is: what story are we telling? 
Yes. And I think one of the most powerful things that I think shifts people in the way they just do day-to-day life is asking a much more powerful question. Mm. So in that example, what you're asking yourself is, you know, what's really going on here? Like, what is, what is the story I'm telling? What is the, what is the dialogue? And as I said, it's subconscious. So you actually have to bring it forward and say, here it is. This is the truth of the day. This is what's actually happening. Um, you know, I often say to people, just stopping and asking yourself, what do I really need right now? Um, particularly when you've got an emotional something running, is what is the most significant thing that I can do right now to incrementally make that feel better? So, um, you know, Abraham Hicks talks about not trying to go 180 degrees and, and say, look, rather than going from angry to joyful, look at going one degree shift. So how about angry to, you know, furious to a little bit angry (laughs) and then gradually working that way. And for me, the way to do that is just asking a much better question. And then from that question, so if the answer was, you just haven't slept enough, right? Yes, I'm going to say, okay, well, what does that mean? And what am I making that mean, right? Because that's going to give you more emotion. So let's not make it any bigger than it needs to be. Let's bring that story into a reality of, yes, I've had four hours sleep. I really need eight. Then the next thing that I think is super important is what am I going to do differently now that I have that information? So do you change something because of that information. Is it accurate enough that you're going to go ahead and change something? So in that example, you know, I often say, sometimes I ask myself, what's the most, when I've got a lot of work to do and a lot of, you know, potentially sitting in a little bit overwhelmed, I'll ask myself, okay, what's the most impactful thing I can do right now? And sometimes the most impactful thing I can do is go and have a nap. Mm-hmm. And I will go, okay, now I've identified that. How do I go about that? Can I, if, is it possible to do that now or do I just need to plan to get to bed earlier? Am I going to shift my rest of my day? Because I know now I'm sleep deprived, I'm deficient. There's something that's going, to, that's going to be a challenge for me for the rest of the day. I can either keep telling the story about it or I can make something different to make it change the outcome. So, you know, that, that, I think that's super important is identify what story you're telling, make it a reality story, not big bright because once we do go into our story it's often technicolor and it's often much bigger than it needs to be but if we bring it down to okay this is a reality this is where we're at today what is the next best thing i can do now and how do i change what action do i put behind that or next to it or with it so that i now am going to make the the trajectory change and i found when people can do that it's like instant change it's like oh gosh, that feels so much better. You know, maybe it's, you know what, sitting here busting through this paperwork is not serving me. I've actually got to get up and get out in the fresh air for 10 minutes. That's the next best action. And then they can come back and do what they need to do. So, well, maybe it's, you know what, today is not the day to do this. I literally have not had enough sleep. I'm not being productive. I'm out. Off I go, you know, within reason. Obviously, some days are going to be more challenging than others. But I find that the calming in the mind once you do identify what that story is and then make a decision around what the next best thing to do is, is so calming. It just shuts down a lot of that peripheral noise and then you get on with it. So, yeah. But, Tina, have there been some resources, you know, books that you've read, programs, You've done in a moment. I want to talk about the program that you and Jim have coming up there too. But 
you know, if somebody wanted to explore some of the concepts we've talked about, you know, listening to that inner dialogue, cleaning that kind of stuff up there too, you know, a, a self-development plan, what have been some of the books and resources that have been um, powerful and impactful for you? Gosh, there's so many. I think, look, I think today, if you were to read the complete works of Brene Brown, <laughs> yes. um, I think you you are going to set yourself up for an amazing experience. Mm. Um, I think her capacity to take the human experience and not only qualify it but quantify it, I mean, she's mm. quite extraordinary, um, is powerful. And I know I can certainly look at each of the books as they've come out. I've been, I was blessed enough to be on, on board with her pretty early. Mm. I think that's, a, that's an amazing resource. If you were starting a personal development plan, that's where I'd start. Um, there's, there's some amazing books. I think that things like um, one book that really influenced me as a practitioner was The Go-Giver. Um, right. An amazing, it's a parable, it's easy to read. Um, John C. Maxwell's work in terms of leadership um, has been amazing. Um, literally, each, each, I mean, each time I read something new, there's, it's just like, oh, wow, where have you been all my life? <laughs> um, but I think it's also to, it's a little bit of follow your nose when it comes to your own personal growth. Um, because what happens is, so for example, you read a, a particular author, they often, particularly today, will reference other people that, mm. that are along that same line. So I always say to people, listen to that. If what they're saying is resonating with you, perhaps then follow along with what they've said and follow their pathway. Um, have a look at what else they've read, what else they're doing. Um, you know, honestly, there's so many, it's hard to even narrow and distill it down to what is the most significant thing that I've, that I've come across. I mean, you know, um, Aunt Rand, you know, like there's so many. There's, there's yeah. so many. Well, I um, think, you know, Brenna Brown is such a wonderful spot to start mm. with any of her stuff. And then, you know, if you wanted to kind of do a quick, this, she has a TED talk that has a gazillion views and numerous TED talks as well. Yeah. That'd be, and then, you know, her Netflix documentary as well. There's oh, some ways that people cool. could kind of dip their toes into, um, yeah. you know, Brenna's stuff there too. I've got a, an enormous crush on. I think that oh, she's just me stunning. too. And yeah. I, I adore listening to her audio books because I love her accent, yes. um, that twang, the Texas twang. I tell you, you know, and sometimes I think your learning can come from so many powerful places that you may not expect. I'm yes. a bit of a tidy freak, and one of the most significant books I read in terms of growth is actually The Magic Art of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a book about cleaning up your house and decluttering, and she has a Netflix series, but the Netflix series is awesome, but it doesn't give the full depth, I don't think. The book, in terms of her whole process, is Does This Spark Joy? Mm -hmm. And I think, God, what a concept. That, like, the more I think about that, yes, we can apply it to kind of the material things in our world, but what if we apply that outside of that and in our relationships, in our work, in our, our sense of having a purpose and, our, and having meaning in our lives? I mean, that's if you lived by that process, not just in your material but outside of that, that's pretty, I think you'd live a pretty extraordinary existence and you'd, you'd feel pretty good. Um, so I, I, I've applied that on a much deeper level than just in how I organise my home, but more in terms of, you know, am I, I'm, I'm being invited to do something or share something. Is this going to spark joy in my life? If it is, then I'm probably going to follow that. And I think your personal development should follow that pathway too. Is, yeah. is this making me feel that little bit more 
you know, that little better, that 1% glowing closer to. And remembering that sometimes better isn't easier. It can be the harder road. <laughs> like when you decide to, you know, leave practice and go to other things. The right path mm. is sometimes the challenging one. But does it feel right? Do you feel like putting one step in front of the other is still your journey? And for me, that, that works. Yeah, stunning. And Bettina's been incredibly humble too, gang, because she hasn't mentioned, if you're looking for a resource, then her and Jim would be one I would give. If, if, if today's conversation has resonated with you, if it's kind of had you, you know, identifying yourself in many things that we've spoken about, you and Jim have an event coming up soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it's called Your Best Year Ever. And we ran it last year for the first time. And it's just watch the people who went through that process with us. It's a one day event describing exactly that. How do we create your best year? How do we sit and, and create that beautiful vision that you have for the year ahead? You know, because often we hear about, you know, people setting goals in, in January and, and probably by March or April, they've, they've long gone. They can't even remember where they wrote them down, but they don't have a process around that. So they, what we've done is we came up, we sat down and said, okay, what do people do when they actually get this right? Not just from a one dimensional perspective, but what do they do? How do we even get people to understand that a vision is important, having a picture that they're going to step into with all of its elements. So we walk people through that. We do a beautiful visualization and then we take them through. Okay. Now that you've got that, why? Why is it important? Because you've got to anchor it. We've got to actually leverage that to explain to people why it is that vision is there. Because it's there for a reason. You've just got to uncover it because that gives you the leverage to do what it takes. And then how do you actually do it? What is the steps? And we give people some takeaway tools. They choose which ones they're going to implement so that literally the next day they can go out, they've got their workbook filled and all it takes is then to execute. They've just got to then take the steps and keep leveling themselves up to get mm -hmm. what they need out of it. So what we found last year was, we actually got, in fact, we've got a few people who did it last year who were coming back and going, oh, no, I need to do this every year, which mm -hmm. is so true. Every year we want it to be our best year ever. So we're going to, we ran it, we decided to run it again. So a lot of our regular clients and people who've been doing our um, uh, illumination groups, which is our accountability groups, they're actually coming back and going, oh, yeah, I'm setting the year up right and we're doing it, you know, in November. So it means that it's, it's really just a matter of follow the process that you've decided, change direction if you need to, pivot if you have to, but it, at least you've actually done all the thinking in one space. So, yeah, great. So the event's happening in November. Where should they go to find out more about it? So Eventbrite, if they go to Eventbrite and put your best year ever and Lux, L-U-X, um, it will come up uh, with, the, with the tickets. And if they put ADIO in the, um, in the code, um, they'll actually get a significant discount on that. So they, um, we want to honour the people who are watching. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so come along, as I said. And we, we really, our events is about creating a, an amazing safe environment where people can share and it's not sitting and being lectured to. It's an active workshop. You will actually come out with a workbook completely filled by you. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's creating this beautiful environment. Some of the bonds and things um, that got formed last year, you know, we've got a couple of people who are now completely were strangers 12 months ago. They're now starting a business together um, because they just happen to have an alignment in their skill sets and understanding. So they're, they're off doing their own thing. So, you know, it's just really cool. We love to create that space and then see what grows out of that. 
because we know we're not naive enough to think that all the learning's coming from us. Sometimes the most profound things that are happening is from the sharing that comes back from the people who are in the room um, and the workshopping you get to do with that. So collective wisdom wins every time. Yeah, totally agree. And I'll make sure to, um, gang, that I have all those kind of links. If you're driving along, they'll be on the show notes page and um, as well for you to get those. So, uh, Bettina, like I'm looking at the clock now and it's like, ah, oh, it's gone so quickly. Um, thank you so much for diving into content that's just really important. You know, we often, I'm talking about the six practice you know, pillars, expansions through there is, is what practice multiplies there too. Number six is all about mindset, having a growth mindset. We've talked a lot about that today. So um, I, I, I haven't been able to let go of practice yet. I'm still in there two mornings a week. I know where you're going with it too. I know how hard it is. Yes. I love my people. And uh, so, you know, I, I want to just acknowledge the great work that you do. You've been certainly here in Australia and in, in Victoria in particular, you've just been a pillar that's had just wonderful integrity. You've taken a stand. I, I always see you giving constantly. Um, I, I watch the people that hang out with you. They thrive as, as well. So, you know, certainly on behalf of the, the podcast here and, you know, this crew here, thank you very much for all that you do. I, I, I'm so excited to see what comes next when you grow into that next stage there as, as well. So, um, gang, over on the show notes will be all the ways that you should link up with Bettina. She's, as I said, I, I love watching I've watched the whole kind of powerlifting thing go through and all the stuff you've done. I love it. It's very exciting to see a part of it as well. So any final words that you would like to share with our wonderful audience? Oh, no, just keep up the, the good work and just remember that, you know, no matter where you're at, everyone's growing and everyone's pushing and everyone's, you know, there's a perception sometimes that, those people who have achieved it, they've got it, they've nailed it. You know what? That just means they that they've they've appear to have gained a certain level. But just know everyone's on a growth journey. It's just how you choose to do it. So keep striving and keep um, challenging yourself. And my most important takeaway is find a better question because there'll always be a better outcome. Yeah, great thoughts, Bettina. Thanks so much. See you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one -on -one with you to apply, implement, systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.